This is CryptoCore Radio, discussing the ideas, people, and projects building the new digital economy. Get the latest on blockchain technology and cryptocurrency updates with your host, Lutz. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Busy day, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. It's definitely how it goes. So uh so I'm gonna introduce myself a here. First off, uh I'd like to thank both of you for having me on here. Um it's really a pleasure to actually to speak to both of you. Uh my name's Uncle Tolly and uh it's very nice to meet you, Dred and what's up, buddy? Welcome, welcome to Crypto Core Radio. Thank you. Uh, I Thank am... you. Thank you very much. Um, so... so hold on a second. Go so we, we got Drake on the line. Uh, Drake is coming home from work. And uh, we got uh, Mr. Uncle Charlie on the line. And he's everybody's Uncle Charlie. He's, everyone's got one like him. And he, he knows nothing about crypto. But he's here today to learn something about it. And then we have Pirate Dre on the line. He knows everything about crypto and he's a <laughs> superior master and he's going to help Uncle Charlie understand what this is all so, about. I'm learning from the right person, you're telling me. Yeah, didn't I just say he's a master? What are you waxing you? Yes, you did. Did you hear him deny He didn't uh, even deny because it. I've been curious about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, just like every other person, you hear it on the radio, news, but kind of seems like for the everyday person like me, it's hard to to really get into it for many reasons. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how does one even acquire Bitcoin? Like, what do I do first? Uh, how does one even go about purchasing Bitcoin? Like, I go about my everyday life, go to work, go to school, I get that weekly paycheck, take that check to the bank, it gets deposited, fine. But all this, all this, all of this news about Bitcoin and how well it's doing, and, 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 you know, it, it makes me want to get some, honestly. So, how do I even start? How do I go about that? Where do I even go to buy some? All right, well, first things first. There's uh, several ways you can go about it. The easiest way is to use an onboarding service like Coinbase. There's a website called coinbase.com, and basically you sign up, put in your information, and then from there you can do a bank transfer. Um, You can do purchase with credit cards. Only select cards will actually let you do it because certain ones like Wells Fargo or I think Bank of America is in there too, where they don't allow you to make purchases on uh, Coinbase with credit okay. card. So, uh, if I may, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Uh, if I may ask, how come you're not allowed to make purchases with uh, Wells Fargo? They deem it as too risky for a consumer to do it. So basically, they're telling you that you can't use the credit that they allow you to have to make a risk. I see. I see. Um, I, I could have swore I heard 
about two or three years ago that using credit cards wasn't allowed at all to buy Bitcoin. I guess they changed. Um, well, they allowed it at one point, but uh, this isn't a recent development either. This has actually been a rule that happened last year at some point. It was kind of like early last year. I think after the, you know, after the bear, like during the beginning of the bear market when Bitcoin went from t- almost 20 grand down to like 10, um, a lot of people started losing money and then people being people started complaining. And then, you know, um, you know, credit card companies were like, well, you know, I don't want this to basically go on our books as unrecoverable debt. So we'll just say, no, no more crypto purchases with credit cards. So you can do it right. with your bank card with like your actual bank account. But aside from that, they won't let you do it with credit cards. How do you do it off the books? Um, well, you find local, people that local have, uh, um, yeah, local Bitcoin works, I believe. I haven't personally used it myself. Um, mainly, uh, the way that I've gotten Bitcoin was through mining, uh, other currencies and selling it for Bitcoin, which is another topic, but that you can get into. But, um, aside from that, what you can do is find people that do OTC services like uh, local bitcoins or whatnot to sell you sell you Bitcoin directly for cash. So you can, you know, sometimes you can do a meetup or you can actually, um, you know, have people Venmo you or use the pay app to pay you or for you to pay and then they send you Bitcoin. So, but that also comes with risks being, you can send them money, and then they send you. Uh, then they just don't send you any Bitcoin. Or you could, like, they on their end would have more of a risk because if they were to send you Bitcoin first, then that transaction is finalized. You can't, you know, he can't re- re- rescind that transaction. So that's a risk on their end. Wow. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I have to admit that that definitely brings up some concerns i mean it sounds easy enough but at the same time what concerns me about that is like for an example if i'm doing a bank transfer i know i'm going to have insurance backing my transfer so i'm trying to figure out like how what you know why i would take even take that risk in the first place like what would make me choose to use bitcoin and take that chance rather as opposed to you know, just doing my usual bank transfer. Do you like banks controlling your money? I never like banks controlling my mo- my money. And in fact, my father told me uh, my whole life to never accept that. So, <laughs> but uh, it's just what we got to do. Nah, I mean, isn't it? No, not necessarily. I mean, if- Here's the thing. Essentially, what you're doing is you're giving a bank your own money, your own hard-earned money for them to invest. That's Every what week. you're doing. Every single week. So every single week they're making money off of you and you're not seeing a dime out of it. On top of that, say if you take a little bit extra money by accident, they charge you fees. Absolutely. Or if you deposit enough within a certain amount of time, they'd still charge you fees for not having enough money. Okay. Well, there's definitely a good reason. I mean – I mean, I don't like getting charged fees, and I have to admit, even even things such as like, you know, my income tax. Yeah, okay, you get that a little bit of money back at the end of the, end of the year, but from what I'm reporting, they're taking much more out of my check, obviously. Um, 
which actually kind of brings me to my next question. How does this work as far as the IRS goes? Um, I mean, being for, if I, for an example, if I was able to make my income through Bitcoin or if I was purchasing Bitcoin even just through whatever cash I had, does this need to be reported? And if I don't, would that cause an issue for me? Because I find that this is a big concern among, among a lot of friends of mine, honestly. Well, here's the thing, okay? Think of it like stocks. That's the best analogy you can possibly use. Okay. If you are literally buying cryptocurrency with your fiat, right, with your, with your dollars, mm-hmm. if you are buying cryptocurrency, you are not paying tax because you're essentially think of it like you're buying a stock, right? right. Once you, when you buy a stock, you're not charged any taxes until you either make a trade for a different cryptocurrency. But like I said, that, that's something we can discuss later. Mm-hmm. Or you withdraw <clears throat> your Bitcoin and convert it to cash again, right? Uh, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but did you say raw your Bitcoin? No, un- un- unless you sell your Bitcoin for cash. Got you. Okay. Right? So now, like I said, think of it like a stock. So say you buy a stock and then the stock goes up 50%, right? Mm-hmm. And then you would, and then you sell that stock for for cash again, right? What happens at that point? The profit that you made is a capital gains tax. Okay. Yes. So yes. The profit that you made is then taxed. Now the difference between how uh, or the uh, the amount that is taxed, right? The, right? Depends on how long you have held that stock or how long you've held that Bitcoin, right? Now, mm-hmm. if you hold it, held it for under one year, you're charged a higher percentage of that capital gains tax. It's a short-term, it's the short-term tax that's, I forget what percentage it is, but it's a higher percentage than you would have paid on so, uh, like something you've held for over a year. So if you held that Bitcoin really? for over a year and you made 10 grand, you'd pay a lower percentage in tax then you would have, you know, making say five grand in and like six months. You know what I mean? So, really? Okay. Oh yeah. And so, that's, like that's... I said, the exact same way this, that stocks work is that if you pay more taxes on short trade, like short term trades, than you would on long term. I mean, I, I I definitely remember paying some some taxes on stocks. Um, I, I haven't invested recently, but I, you know, I used to like to dabble a little bit and yeah, capital gains and, and whatnot. I've, I definitely remember paying, uh, don't ask me specifically <laughs> what I did pay for. I, you know, I had my accountant do that. I had my, you know, my, my ex-fiance help out with that, but, um, but uh, I definitely know I was def- paying on something there. Um, and all right, well, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, the, everything you just said there about Bitcoin, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to gather all of this right now and process. Oh, yeah. Right. As you can see, I'm a complete novice at this and, and I'm trying to put it all together right now. And I feel like I see many benefits towards having it. Um, I guess I'm just still trying to reach that point of understanding why. Or well, let me put it to you this way. I'm speaking to, let's say, my buddy Joey at work right now, right? And... I'm explaining to him how Bitcoin has so much potential. Uh, 
you know, what was it? Two years ago, it hit its its peak, what, about seventeen thousand, I believe, uh, something around. Wow, even even more than I thought. Um, from what I understand, it's easy to acquire if you understand how to. Um, you know, you'll be paying less taxes on it, uh, possibly even no taxes. Um, but while having this conversation with them, I feel like they get lost somewhere. Like, as if it's all too much for them to gather. Like, you know, they just want to come home, get their, you know, their weekly check and, and just stay that way. How can I make an impression with them to understand that they should put the extra effort to do this? So it would be easier. They'll make more money. Um, you know, pay less taxes. We spoke about that a little bit just now. Um, what would you say is the biggest reason why the average person, blue collar worker like me should purchase Bitcoin or at least start working with it? Well, the biggest reason why is because ever for every year you hold on to a single dollar, a U.S. dollar, it loses purchasing power because every single year they print more money. That's Inflation. A, that's a fact. Inflation, yes. exactly. Yes, that I know about, right. And the funny thing is, is that the majority of money that's in circulation isn't even printed. So it's, it's all numbers. It's literally all numbers in a computer. So the reason why you would invest in Bitcoin is because it's a store of value. There's a limited supply capped at 21 million. There's no more going to be made after that. And for every two years, the amount of Bitcoin that's released every 10 minutes is cut in half. So it's a deflationary model rather than an inflationary model. Over time, you know, due to the uh, due to like the increase in the network hash rate and everything like that, basically you're paying for computational security, right? The, uh -huh. the network that secures Bitcoin is what also gives it value, right? So you have right. this monetary unit that is completely secure uh, immune to double spending, which is a term that I can talk about later if you wish, and will always be backed by that computational power versus fiat currency or the U.S. dollar, which is not backed by anything except for a government promise saying this is worth this much. That's it. Right, which is pretty much the promise we get every year, and the dollar still tends to go down in value. Well, it always will because they keep printing more. And literally, they could stop printing more right now, and it's it'll hold very still very little little value because there's so much printed and so much like you know issued. Well, I mean, I guess a good example for that is the national debt. I mean, I just don't see how it's possible to. Yeah, to... but I mean, look, look at um, look at certain countries that have hyperinflation, like Venezuela and all those other countries where, you know, they print billion dollar bills. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Wow. Okay. You know? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. They, they print billion dollar because bills. How do you even fit all those numbers on this? <laughs> you, know, it, you should see some of them. It's nuts. Um, and it's it's absolutely crazy because you know it's the the currency so inflated. Like the funny thing is, is that in certain like I forget what country it was. I think it was a billion dollar bill. It was like a million dollar bill, something like that. So it was mm -hmm. basically to the point where that you had like they had to give you cash for your job like on the as soon as you left work that day they get they paid you in cash because of all the hyperinflation i mean it was so, like people so it was literally worth that stuff. little yeah 
I'm sorry, that little that they had to get cash on demand before leaving work to yeah. make sure that their dollar or their currency stayed afloat <laughs> was worth yeah. something. Yeah, like Holy literally, shit. they would work with suitcases filled with cash because it was just so worthless that it was that's how they had to have, how they had to do it. So, I mean, as opposed I'm to, saying, I'm not saying that you know the U.S. currency is going to get to that point. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, it's going to crash because fiat currency. If you look through the entire history of the world with fiat currency, it fails. Because of inflation, after a certain point, it just is—it's useless. It's worthless. It does, um, in my experience, and and from what I've you know studied over my time, usually the next Great Depression comes around that time. Um, Yeah, I mean, somehow the gold—you know, money, U.S. cash is always stuck around. But you know, speaking of which, that reminds me though, we used to be backed by the gold standard, and and we're not anymore, are we? Negative. It yeah, went that's from right. Gold backing to the gold standard, and then I believe it was Nixon. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Nixon that got us off the gold standard into fiat currency. Oof! What a mistake. The gold. In, in fact, you know the difference between you know being backed by gold and the gold standard, right? Well, I mean, uh, I, I I can only assume that being backed by the gold standard means that. Its its value would will be com- not compared, but almost. Uh, how do I put this? Why don't you just explain it further? Because I'm not going to explain it as well, as well as you would. Go ahead. Basically, I I think it was after World War II. I want to say I don't remember the exact time frame, but it was I believe it was after World War II where the U.S. basically said, "Well, we don't care what the rest of the world values gold at." We're going to value it at this and peg our dollar to it. Really? Yeah. Wow. So basically it doubled the value of gold, of what the uh, of what the U.S. valued at gold at, just so that it can make our currency more valuable. <laughs> no kidding. That's uh, You're a wealth of knowledge, let me tell you. <laughs> That's great. Wow, I'm, I'm getting my own history lesson here today. Um, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like then in, in that case, but in that case, Bitcoin is in fact the next kind of powerful dollar. Then it sounds like to me because it's not something that's going through inflation, like you said. There's only certain amounts. Like a lot of people say, it's like digital gold, but instead of having a physical product, you have computational power that, with a network where, you know, every transaction is on a public ledger. Mm-hmm. And literally, you can see every transaction that happens, which some Wait, people I, is good, some people is bad. I'm sorry, does that anyone. mean like I, I can or, or anyone can? Anyone can. Like, like, oh, really? So so it's, so it's every transaction you make is public knowledge? Or they Correct. Would have... However, hmm. um, say you create a wallet, which I can get into in a little bit. If you were to create a wallet address... Right. So that address is yours. So people use that to send you Bitcoin. Right. Those are the only things that are seen. Your name is not up there and nowhere to be found. Right. So therefore, the only thing people see is this wallet address sent this wallet address this much Bitcoin. That's it. Oh, so that's the information that would be public knowledge. Correct. To that extent. 
Exactly. So you can see what transactions are made between wallets and how it moves. And on top of that, there's all, like everything is finalized. There's no reversals of anything. Nobody can at this point in the state, at this point in the game, nobody can really feasibly go and attack Bitcoin and reorganize blocks to where they change the blockchain. Everything is finalized. You know what I mean? So there's sort of, okay. So here's, here's for example, right? Say you're a hacker, right? And you want to hack a bank and say that your account has a million dollars in it. And then everyone else's account has $10 in it, right? You have to attack one source, that being the bank's servers, to be able to do that, right? And so, granted, it's really strong encryption and security, but if you're a really smart guy, you can do it, right? Well, you hear scare stories about this happening all the time. I mean, mean, granted, uh, red flags will probably go off, and then they'll be like, oh, wait a second, what the hell? And they'll try to, you know, they'll do their security measures and blah, 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 and then try to rectify the issue but if you're a smart enough hacker you can really damage some stuff however sure when you try to do that with bitcoin bitcoin has thousands of things these things called nodes that verify transactions and process transactions right now say you're trying to attack bitcoin and do the same thing where you know your wallet address has a million dollar million bitcoin in it and then everyone else has 10 Right. If you were to try right, to which basically that, makes you a target. Sure. Yep. If you were to try to <coughs> do that, say you attack, you know, fifty to a hundred nodes, right? That process this information. What ends up happening is the rest of the network sees that hey, these things are wrong and compares it to every single other node. And if every if the majority of nodes agree that hey, these hundred nodes are wrong they wipe out that information on those nodes and correct it with the right information. So you would it's almost like having over 51% of the entire network to actually do such damage. And that is not feasibly done by anybody. Maybe potentially if the governments come up with say such computational power to try and take over the network. But as of this point now, it's not feasible. That's yeah. That's just not the case. So, so it sounds like Bitcoin and transactions done through it are at least at this point much safer than any bank transaction ever would be. That's that's what I'm gathering. I'm oh, also yeah. gathering the fact that it sounds cheaper and less likely to go down in value due, due to inflation, overprinting of money. Um, I mean, these are already two great great things to know. Oh, um, and here's, here's another thing for you. You ever tried to, uh, you know, send your friend money from your bank or do a bank transfer transfer to another bank? All the time. All yeah. the time. How long does that take? Uh, well, that depends. Now, if I want to do it for free, it'll take three to five days. If I want to rush it, it takes a few bucks, you know, on top of it. But, uh, but yeah, there's usually some fee involved, and it takes a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Or the, the, the other way to do it is, you know, take out however much cash you want, which... You know, sometimes a bank will question you if you take out too much. They'll say, what are you doing with this money? And right. It's, it's like having a third person there watching you all the time. And, yeah. And, you're, yeah, it's uh, it's not something anybody appreciates. Yeah. And then giving it to your friend who then deposits said cash, 
And if they deposit too much money, they'll question him. Where did he get that money? Where is it coming from? Of course. From? Right? Right. With Bitcoin, all you have to do is just get your friend's wallet address, send him some Bitcoin, however much you want, and it's there 10 minutes later or, or really? less using uh, lightning net, light, uh, the Lightning Network and stuff. So it's so quick, it's sent through a wallet. Yeah, it just I, sends I, Basically, think of it this way. You're your own bank. Your friend is his own bank. Everyone mm-hmm. is their own bank. So, just through having one of these wallets. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm I'm like kind of in shock here. I'm trying I'm trying to imagine how that works. I've seen a wallet. So a wallet is basically like having a a bank account then, but but it's your your own. It's private. It's only you know about it. Exactly. Nobody can steal your social security number and driver's license number and take your Bitcoin. Are any of those things even required to get a wallet? Nope, none. So if I were to go about getting a wallet, what would that entail? That would entail either you using your computer to download an Electrum wallet or using your phone to download, you know, a mobile wallet of some sort like Coinomi or several other good wallets that are out there. Are these things that I could find as an application, like on the Play Store, like that? Yep. No shit. (laughs) I'm sorry. Excuse my language, but really, that's uh, that's interesting. So it's that easy. I go on the Play Store. I get the app. That's for this wallet, as you just mentioned. I'm sorry. What were those names? Mention them again. Coinomi is one of them. Um, You can get uh, Ethos, I believe, is available on mobile. And there's several other ones. Off the top of my head, I'd actually, uh, I'd actually have to look it up. I I mean, I assume there's many that I could just basically look up Bitcoin wallet and download it. I don't have, it doesn't even have to be like one of the names you're mentioning, but. Well, I would go with something that's trustworthy because, you know, oh, okay. like anything in the Play Store, you know, there you can download something and get malware. You know, there's been, there's been uh, events that happen where you download an app and it puts either malware on your, uh, on your phone Some... or like through the ads that it plays. Right, right. Data and things like that. So I would go with a trustworthy wallet service like Coinomi or Ethos is, like I said, a solid one. Or so those have a solid Coinomi. reputation and 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 something you would recommend above basic above the rest that I would see there. Correct. Yeah, and even Jax Liberty. Jax is really good. I've used them for a long time. Excellent. J A X Liberty. J A X Liberty. Two X's. Two X's, double X. Wow, I, I, I got to say, it's, uh, like I said, you're giving me a wealth of knowledge here. Um, I just thought it would be a lot harder than this. Um, all right, so let's say I do that. I, I get a Jax uh, uh, wallet. I set up my my address, which is basically like having my own private bank account now, which is awesome. Yeah. But so now what's missing? And now I need to now I need to get some Bitcoin. So yeah. and you mentioned some. You can I can go on an exchange. I believe you said. You can use an exchange, or you, yeah, you can use an, uh, a service like Coinbase to buy some Bitcoin. Coin, I've or, heard of Coinbase, right? Yeah, Coinbase is the lar- I believe it's the largest onboarding service and offboarding service that crypto has at this point. Like they they so they billions of dollars. I I you know what I would believe that because I've heard their name, I've seen it. I I, I guarantee you, I must have run across it while just kind of dabbling a little bit. Um, my question is this now though. Okay, fine. You're safe with your address. Like much safer than having a bank account. I could see that plus a lot less fees. 
But now we go buy Bitcoin on the exchange. I have to buy Bitcoin as I, you know, I'm not a miner like you are. I would obviously have to purchase it, you know, via fiat currency, USD dollars, as you said. So yeah. now is, does that transaction get recorded uh, somehow, gets, some way? Yeah, it gets recorded by Coinbase, yes. Because I know, so, you know, once you're purchasing from the bank, you know, let's say I, I'm purchasing from my uh, checking account. Obviously, that's that's recorded right there and then. Um, and then it's being purchased from Coinbase. So does it, does that stop once I get to Coinbase or does Coinbase have their own records? Do they require uh, anything more from me other than like what my wallet requires from me as far as my information goes? No, but if you want to do, say like you purchase Bitcoin on Coinbase, hold it for a while and then sell it. Now, as far as tax purposes go, you have to download the forms from Coinbase to do the, your taxes. So whether or not it's a profit or a loss, you have to download the documents to uh, to take with your taxes. Now, uh, okay, and that makes it okay because you're reporting your your income, your uh, now, to get your tax returns, and I see. Okay. Yeah. Now the other thing is, is that if you buy Bitcoin but just don't sell it, you got nothing to worry about at this point because you don't have to write anything on your taxes because you haven't made or lost any money on it. You haven't sold that AKA stock or Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Well, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I thought I've heard from a, a good friend of mine once. Uh, it, it's somebody in a friend of mine that's uh, done very well for himself. And he said something along the lines to me as if you actually lose money in an investment, like let's say, because what I'm kind of putting together here is, let's say I, I invested a certain amount of money in Bitcoin and, and the value went down. Worst case scenario, I could always say that I've lost money on this investment and the government owes me capital gains. Can't I? Yeah, you can report your losses on your taxes with stocks and Bitcoin. So because so which, so which reporting losses and gains, I mean, it seems like if you want to play this you know, as safe as possible, you can still do that even with Bitcoin, but there's just much more benefits to it. Oh, yeah. But and keep in mind, Bitcoin is a lot more volatile than anything else. But it's got a proven track record of being, if you hold it, being uh, having your uh, value increase more than anything else. I Like uh, what do you call it? So it would normally just increase in value or volatile as, as in day to day, it'll go up and down in large up amounts. Up and down, up and down. Then some days, like one day, I saw it jump from like six thousand to like eight thousand to ten thousand, and then another couple days I saw it drop from like thirteen to ten thousand, then down to like seventy three hundred. You know, so it's it's a wow. Very, very, <laughs> that's more than volatile. That's oh yeah. That's that, it's, I mean, that's the difference between getting rich in a day or not with some people. It's uh wow. Oh yeah, and it, but keep in mind, it's the best performing asset known to man. I, uh, how, I mean, how so? I, I, I haven't really kept up with uh, how everybody's done, everybody else has done in comparison. But uh, why would you well, say that? Because over the ten year, you take any asset over the period of ten years, and none of it has increased as much as Bitcoin, even as low as it has gotten over the past year, which is like thirty two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. nothing has gone from basically pennies to $3,200 within 10 years. I can't say there has. Uh, I mean, even from my time dabbling in, in stocks, I 
I'd be very lucky to make hundreds on, on the dollar at times. So that's, uh, yeah, that's great. Wow. Oh, yeah. Incredible. So, I mean, I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm standing here trying to find a reason to tell you that Bitcoin's wrong and that's just not coming to me right now. So, uh, the only reason that the only reason you can give is because the government says, <laughs> it's, I, you know, I have to say, I, I kind of, I tend to believe you're right about that because I feel like everything I hear as far as the news goes and the radio goes, they're always saying they're pretty much making us understand that Bitcoin could be gone tomorrow or it can be regulated. And from what you explained to me, I'm seeing that that's not a possibility, at least not with, with what you explained as far as the security goes. As far, I, Well, I don't know. You didn't explain the blockchain to me, but I feel like I read something about that. What's the deal with the blockchain? That's what prevents it from 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 uh, what do you call it? from any issues really happening, isn't it? I mean, can you explain further on what the blockchain is? Yeah, sure thing. So the blockchain, what ends up happening is for every transaction that's made, okay, gets mm-hmm. recorded onto the blockchain, right? Right. Now, the blockchain is, like the name implies, a block, a chain of blocks, right? Uh-huh. So all these transactions get filled into a block on that blockchain, right? Now, when after 10 minutes... After all these miners using their computational power uh, solve an algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. Then all those transactions are recorded in stone on that tra- on that block and put at the end of the blockchain. Then the next really? round of transactions go into the next block, right? So every ten minutes, there's another block added to the blockchain with filled with transactions, right? And this so, is a repetitive process that goes over and over. Yep, twenty four seven, three sixty five for the foreseeable future. So, for if nothing's staying the same, nothing can necessarily really be recorded. Then. <laughs> that it's basically like having no history. Wait, what do you mean? Like no history as far as uh, like, for an example, making bank transactions. There's there's a history of transactions that 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 get recorded. But from what I understand with the blockchain, it's like it's almost as if it keeps modifying itself and changing. So you know how. Um... No, not really. So essentially what happens is after all those transactions get recorded onto a block and added to the blockchain, mm-hmm. that that string of blocks that that is from that point and previous is set in stone, right? So nothing okay. can be modified in that blockchain at all unless a ha- somebody basically takes over 51% of the network, which is, is near impossible. And that's the only way to enter that blockchain, get that information. No, no, that's the only way you can modify the information on modify. that blockchain. That's it. So all, like I said, all that information is stored, set in stone. And then all the next round of transactions, after 10 minutes, fill up a block and put on the end of the blockchain. No kidding. Uh, that sounds pretty secure to me. Wow. Okay. So, so you know what? Let's say, all right, let's say you won me over right here and I, I decide tonight I'm going to go get my wallet. I'm going to find a good exchange. I'm going to now invest something in Bitcoin. And from that point on now, I want to start keeping my money in there. How would I go about turning, uh, how would I go about turning all my money into that? Like, would I be able to approach my boss and say, okay, basically I want to get paid in Bitcoin right now. Or do they have to, or is this something I have to do all on my own? Um guarantee you just about any employer is going to tell you no because that requires work on there right so it's it would have to be an option that they offer yeah exactly um now well, keep in sense. mind that 
if I if if this is all money that you didn't care about, mm-hmm. then by all means throw all that in there. But I'm assuming that you're probably going to need some of that money from your paycheck day to day and for Absolutely. bills and all those things. Correct. Yep. In that in that knowing that um, there's an there's an old phrase that keeps coming around: only invest what you're uh, comfortable with losing. You know what I mean? So rather than making, you would recommend rather than making a full change over to Bitcoin, I should only put what I can afford to lose at this moment. Correct. Because over time, like say, say for example, okay, I'll give you an example with me, right? Mm-hmm. So my 401k, I don't have one. All that money that would go toward my 401k goes toward crypto. Okay. I've made so more you- money with crypto than I would have with my 401k over the past several years. Sure. Yeah, I could see that if you invested back then. Okay. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah. That that was a hell of a risk. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, be scared I mean, to do that. But but at the same time, right? What happens uh-huh. with okay? So with that four hundred one k, and you'd be lucky if your company matches anything, right? So sure. Basically, what you're doing is you're taking your money, right? Throwing it into a 401k for investors to invest and do whatever with, right? You're paying your taxes um, later on, right? Mm -hmm. So later on, obviously, taxes will always go up because they always do. Right, on top of it all. Right. So at the end of the day, you'll be paying more in taxes. That's why a Roth IRA is generally smarter anyways to go into. But that's another topic for another yeah <laughs> i'll stop trying to keep up with just this right now yeah right? uh but so anyways, uh, definitely all good with, with your 401k right you put all this mm-hmm. money into it and then say you're like 53 years old and then you're like you know what i have a ton of money for some reason i have a ton of money in my 401k let me withdraw it nope nope you can't well why not because you'll pay heavy penalties for withdrawing it early that's right money. that's right it's my own money. Well, i don't care you'll pay heavy penalties because you know, you're giving us money and the government says no. Sorry. Brings up that example uh, about the, the bank controlling everything uh, mm-hmm. that you mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Wow. And, and this isn't even getting into the privacy aspect of anything because the thing is, is that, well, actually, let me, let me, let me save that for a little bit later because that's a huge topic into. Um, but yeah, so aside from that, you know, any way you look at it, your money's being taken from you one way or another. If you have a 401k and you're trying to save, it's taken from you. If, Absolutely. For example, I mean, state know, taxes, can... federal taxes, transfers, oh, yeah. anything you do, there's, they, take, they have their hand on everything. That much I, I know because I've been dealing with it every single day of my life. Sometimes I, I come home from work and I just feel like I, you know, I didn't. Well, it's, actually, I didn't. At times, I didn't work for myself because they take pretty much two out of every five days of my week. That all goes to taxes. So I'm pretty much working for the government. You know, almost half half my time, a little less than half my time, which I have to say frustrates me at times. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I I like to consider myself a patriot, everything like that. But it's quite a lot that they take from us. Don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you saw I was holding back there. Uh, it's look, they take a lot from us. We're, we're hard workers. I mean, I'm a hard worker myself, and and I really feel beaten down at times when I see my paycheck coming, um, and I see those taxes taken off. Not only that, even if I decide to put the extra effort, put the overtime in, and get my pay in a half, they take even more taxes out of my check. So it's like I have to work two extra days of, you know, time and a half just to really make it worth it. And then I end up doing a full week because of it. 
Oh, yeah. And... But, here's, but here's the thing. Here's the kicker, right? So you'll pay more in taxes up front, and at the end of the year, the government will say, well, you know, we took too much taxes out. Here's your refund, right? So in yes. other words, they're holding your money until you say, well, you collected too much. Right. Okay, give me some back. Okay, we'll give you that back, right? And now, I, I, yeah, I've actually had that happen to me. How much are they paying you to hold your money? How much are they paying me to hold my money? Yeah. Uh, nothing. They're not paying me <laughs> anything for that. I'm paying them. Hell, at least with the bank, you get what, maybe a quarter of a percent. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I, yeah. You get some, some, some minor amount. Yeah. For keeping it, maybe say a savings account or something or a money market account, nothing worthwhile, yeah, like but a CD or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. literally they're holding your money for nothing. So it's interest free. You're basically giving them an interest free loan that at the end of the year or beginning of the following year, they give you it back. Hopefully. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about what this could change. The, the implications of all of this is, wow. I, it's, that's, it's pretty extraordinary. I mean, the money you'll, you'll be saving in income tax alone, uh, the, the transactions without the heavy fees, uh, uh, what we were just speaking of right now. I mean, put all of this together, Somebody doing this on a larger basis in, in a whole, like somebody who makes a much larger income than I do and actually owns a business and is able to switch yeah. over from his cash dealings to Bitcoin. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made here. Oh, yeah. But now, don't get me wrong. There are downsides. It's not all sunshine and rainbow. Right? How so? Well, here's the thing. Um, do you think, I mean, this is this is kind of an ask of a question but do you think the average person is capable of being their own bank no i I could tell you that right up front i mean i i know this because uh the average person that that i deal with every day pretty much has absolutely no interest when i start speaking to them about how i think they should handle (laughs) their banking or how i handle it i i find it interesting and you know i like to save a dollar here a dollar there but yeah, they just like the process and the way it works, and they're happy with it, and they go on with their lives. So, no. Yeah, exactly. So, like me personally, I wouldn't really trust the average Joe with, say, handling Bitcoin. Because here's the thing, is that if somebody if somebody scams them or hacks their computer because they're careless about things, or hacks their mm-hmm. phone or steals their phone, whatever – and they don't password protect things like they should or encrypt things like they should or things like that. Right, which is something I need to catch up on. Yep. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I mean, they're, I mean, at least have a basic level of security, just a basic level, right? And what or would be considered a basic level of security? You don't mind me asking. Yeah, like uh, password protecting your wallet. Or Okay, so you buy a wallet, but you also need to password protect it. Well, and some uh, the applications that I told you to, you know, that are have that are wallets, you can pass right. them, right? Oh, they, they they actually offer that option when you get them. Yeah, like for example, with um, Coinomi, I know there's a an ethos, there's a login process, and then with Jax, you can password protect it to where if like you can log in and see your stuff, but if you want to send anything, it requires that password. Oh, okay. All right. So if somebody happens to infiltrate my wallet, they would need to know that password in order to actually transfer any funds out of it. 
Exactly. And now the second step that would need to be done by everybody that, and it's stupid too, because there are still some people that are in crypto that have been in for quite a while that don't do this. And that's write down your private key, right? So what a private key is, is basically access, direct access to that wallet address, right? You could have 50 wallet addresses, each and every each and every one has an individual private key, right? I see. Okay. So if you were to say, for example, write down your private key and then tomorrow throw your phone in an ocean, right? Can't find your phone anymore, can't recover any data, right? Right. All you need to do is get another phone or hell, even go on your computer, right? And then download right. a wallet. Any wallet doesn't matter as long as it accepts Bitcoin. I see where you're going with this. And then then import that private key. Boom, there's your wallet. I see. So it's it's almost like losing your applications or like uh, your Chase account on your phone, like you said. You lose it for whatever reason. However, you have your own personal private key password that you can always get those funds back. You will not lose them. Correct. Now, and like I said, me not trusting the average Joe to be their own bank, most people lose that piece of paper or, you know, just miss, like, just forget about it and just. Well, I, yeah, I can tell you that that's, that's, that's me. As safe as I like to be, I, you know, I write my passwords down on everything. I end up uh, putting, throwing it in a drawer, throwing out my furniture. <laughs> so, um, yeah. well, uh, and here's the thing. What I do personally is I make a backup of my, wallet file itself there's a wallet that that file that you can make a backup of uh-huh. on your computer and then also what you can do is you know open up uh, a text editor or whatever right like a notepad on on a computer copy notepad. okay yeah i know of that yeah copy and paste your private key into that save it and what i do personally is i do that all that stuff and then save it on a stick drive that i have hidden and then also on a backup drive that I store in a completely separate place that I know is 100% secure, right? So, Bitcoin. yeah, so it's, it's like you're storing, you're, you're being safe on multiple fronts. You have your, your separate little thumb drive that you could put pretty much anywhere. I mean, put it in a safe, whatever, it's small enough, but put it in a safe place. And among these other ways of storing it and being just, just, just in case. So, like, let's say I lose that thumb drive. I still would have that file backup that you were explaining that you would put in Notepad. Yeah, you would still have it on your backup drive somewhere safe. And it wouldn't somewhere matter if, like, my house went on fire and, and, and it burned in a fire, that thumb drive at least. Yeah, if that thumb drive burnt in a fire and is completely toast, but your backup drive is somewhere safe, mm-hmm. all you got to do is just download a wallet on, that com- on a new computer and then just import your private key. You're done. That's that's pretty that's pretty safe i mean it's safer than cash actually <laughs> you have cash in your house you're kind of screwed if your house goes on fire yeah exactly it's good. And, and here's the other thing too that some people still do which is stupid right there's another saying in crypto where not your keys not your coins right and mm-hmm. what that means is if you don't have your if you don't physically or physically have your own private keys to a wallet Technically, it's not your coins. Whoever holds that private key, technically, it's their coins, right? So, for example, right. if I were to trade Bitcoin, right, 
if I were to go on an mm-hmm. exchange and want to buy something else with my Bitcoin, right? So I send my Bitcoin to an exchange, right? Now that exchange holds the private keys to the wallet that you send it to, right? So when you log in, yeah, sure, it's there. But who's to say that this the, the exchange disappears tomorrow, right? You don't have Actually, your Yeah, good key. point. You don't have the private keys to that wallet. Therefore, it's gone. <laughs> There's no way you're going to be able to recover it. Well, I mean, you know, you could, I guess you could look at that in two different ways. I mean, there's some people that would say, I'm a little scared to know that if I lose my private key, you know, I could lose everything. But if you really think about it, it's a much safer thing to have because if you just make sure you take care of that private key or do your, you know, really do your due diligence, as you were saying, make an extra backup file, you know, you'll never lose it. It'll be an impossibility, basically. Yeah, exactly. Think of it this way, too. Say, for example, that, you know, you're giving your friend cash, right? Mm-hmm. And he's holding on to it. Technically, it's his cash. You don't. Right. Right. So whoever's hands it's in owns it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I thought I lost you there. Yeah, absolutely. I, makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, the whole cash thing. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't have physically have your cash, technically, it's not yours. Just the same way as if you don't have your private keys, technically the Bitcoin isn't yours or any whatever currency that you have. So it's really up to the person. I mean, it would be up to me to keep it safe and and to just, like I said, do my do my due diligence on it. Um, I mean, I can't think of any safer way because I, I, I've had so many people over the years tell me that if only I could watch my own money somehow, you know, uh, and keep it safe. I think that's why a lot of people like to keep cash in the home or, you know, under the mattress, as they say, that old saying goes, um, because they feel that they can protect it more so themselves. I, I kind of feel like you could do the same thing with Bitcoin here, but in multiple ways. 100%, because no way somebody's going to get into your wallet if they don't have the private keys. And the only way somebody can get into your pri- uh, get your private keys is either they hack you or you give it to them. Or they own the private keys and you just send it to them in the in the thinking that they'll hold it for you, just like an exchange would. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wow. So it's safe. It's secure. How about the transaction timing? Um, I've heard from people that they do a transaction on Bitcoin, like sending it to a person, and it's instant. Like we were talking about earlier. You don't have to wait those three days, five days. Well, it's a hell of a lot shorter than waiting three to five days. I'll tell you that. But I mean, if I yeah, were to course. send, for example, if I were to send um, loots over there, some Bitcoin, like I like I have before, mm-hmm. generally it takes like a few minutes, maybe ten minutes to show up on, uh, uh, like a few minutes to show up on the block explorer. Meaning, the block explorer is basically what shows all the transactions and everything, all the whole history of Bitcoin. Right. We, I see. We should we should do a live example right now, bro. I'll give you my address. Hold on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, do, do you think it matters as far as how does I should say does it matter how much you send? Like if I send a large amount of money, if I have, uh, you know, my friend Joe Schmo from uh, you know the California sending me a lump sum of like five hundred k. Would that transaction take longer than him sending me $50? Theoretically, no. It all depends on the congestion of the network. Because, I mean, if there's a lot of transactions, I mean, like thousands of transactions going on, it may take a little bit longer uh-huh. um, for confirmation, <clears throat> right? So right. Once, that, uh, once that transmit is sent, 
on his end to send you 500k worth of bitcoin it shouldn't take too long for that to appear on the on the uh block explorer now so it has to do with how busy the network is it has nothing to do necessarily with the amount you're sending correct i mean there's uh there's a real it, it gets more technical than that there's uh there's a second layer of settlements that's on bitcoin that, but that's that's for another day. Well, that's let me put it to you this way. It's it's not like it'll take a day because it's a large transaction. It'll no, just no. take a little bit longer. Yeah. But here's the thing is that the cool thing about Bitcoin is that when if say, say you were to send a transaction, right? Mm-hmm. And then it appears on the Block Explorer, but it's not confirmed yet, right? Confirmed means it's written into the blockchain, right? Okay. So it's in queue to be written into the blockchain. And okay. once it's written, you'll see a confirmation. It'll say one confirmation, right? That means that it's been put into a block and that block's been added to the blockchain. So and every, you'll see this on your transaction. Yep. Cool. All right. So, so it's, you actually see it live time as it's happening. You're not just waiting to get a, a confirmation, basically. Correct. Great. I, I mean, I, all right. So right there, there's, there's another thing that, I was going to argue upon, which, <laughs> but I can't. Uh, uh, let's say I want to, uh, what do you call it, send money from overseas. Um, for an example, uh, internationally, does that matter whether it's national or international or is it the same process all over the world? Internet? Yes, I do. Does the other person have internet? Yes, they would. Then, yeah, it'll be the same time. All right. <laughs> that was simple. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me back up a second. If, even if they didn't have internet, but they had a wallet address, same time. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter. You can so if, they, if I have a friend on the other side of the world that goes into a cafe because he lost his computer that day, he could get into his account and he could still make that transfer with me and still conduct business. Well, he doesn't even need to be online. Literally, all you have to do is have his wallet address and you send it to his wallet and he can check his phone three days later if he wanted to and it would be like, you know, hundred and something confirmations on that, on that, uh, on that wow. Uh, transaction. Wow. So That's excellent. Nobody, so as long as one person, the person who's sending the funds is has internet, you can send it to mm-hmm. anybody in the world. No matter. Same. It takes the same amount of time. Everywhere. Sounds great to me. Wow. Um, What's that? It's something that I kind of heard recently, which is that Bitcoin is not so anonymous anymore. I actually heard the term pseudo anonymous um, if you can maybe elaborate on that. So Thanks. here's the thing. The downside of a public ledger like Bitcoin is that you can see every single transaction that has ever happened, right? So uh-huh. say, for example, I know your wallet address, right? I can right. see how much, you, how much Bitcoin you have in your wallet address. I can see what transactions you've made. I can see. Oh, you even know how much. Wow. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh-huh. Everything is absolutely. That's, I, I'm not even sure how I feel about that. That's like, I mean, I feel I could see why it would, that would be a safe thing, but at the other, on the other hand, it's kind of like somebody knowing how much you're holding on to. Oh yeah, but at the same time, that's with the assumption that I know your address, right? Oh, that's so, true. So, right. If I were to send you Bitcoin, like the safest way to, I mean, it's not even safe to do this either. Like, if you were to say have two addresses. Pretend it's your checking account, your savings account. Your savings account, you store all your money. Your checking account, you use to just make daily transactions, right? Now, the thing is, is that there's something called traceability, right? 
So mm -hmm. if I were to send you a transaction, you give me your checking account address, I would send you money or Bitcoin, right? right? Now, I send it to you and then I can look at your wallet and see what transactions you're making, right? So if I see that you make a lot of transactions toward a single address, I can safely assume that your address, that address right there is where you store all your Bitcoin. So then I can look at that address and see how much Bitcoin you have. And then I can see, wow, yeah, he stores all of his Bitcoin there. Now think of it for nefarious purposes, right? So if I were somebody with that had nefarious intentions, I could reasonably assume that you have, since because you have that one address and you keep sending money to this other address and you have a large amount of Bitcoin, I could just right, you follow a pattern and then just torture you until you give me your private keys or you just give me your phone unlocked with your Bitcoin in it and then just send it somewhere else and you'll never see it again. Wow. Or yeah, even yeah, absolutely. in some cases, the, um, the government coming in and if you, because say you're doing nefarious things with said Bitcoin, the government can come in and say, well, we're seizing all your stuff. And they just, you just happen to have your private keys there or your wallet there. They, and because they see all these transactions coming from your wallets, right. they, can see, they, can they can start tracing that down. So if you say you made a transaction to buy something illegal from somebody that has a Bitcoin address mm -hmm. and they can pinpoint that person with their Bitcoin address, they can safely say, well, you know, you were transacting, doing illegal things or buying illegal things from said person. And we can see the transaction right here. There's our proof, right? Now, I see. Mm -hmm. here's the other thing. Here's the flip side of that too, right? So say you weren't doing anything nefarious, but the person you happen to be sending Bitcoin to was doing something nefarious. Now you're linked with that person. Ah, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, guilt by association. Yep. Wow. Wow. This is, so it kind of seems like there's a lot to think about, but but at the same time, you know, I, I from what I'm understanding, if you're just smart and you, and you really think it through, you can do this safely. Like, for an example, if you have, well, you need to have this knowledge. And that's why I think it's, it's great that I'm picking up all of this here today because you've, like I said, you taught me so many things within what the last hour here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've been dabbling for years. So first of all, thank you for all of this. But, uh, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make here is that, for an example, with the accounts, like if somebody sees, uh, you repeating purchases on your account, making transactions constantly with the same address. You can get multiple addresses, it sounds like. Can you not? You don't have to be so obvious about it. So if you're making a transact transaction with a particular person and he has that address, you could just make a wallet for him to deal business with him or that company, let's say. Is that possible? Oh, true. Yeah, that is very true. But also... Then in most cases, you can see the IP address of the person you're making that transaction with. So if the government can trace down that IP or somebody can trace down that IP, they can, I mean, there's ways around it, but in most cases, they can figure out who you're making transactions with. There's a lot of wow, data. I feel, I feel like there's always a way that they can still <laughs> catch up to you. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, are, were you talking about a VPN address? Is that something that maybe you yeah, feel is required? Yeah, that's something that, I mean, there's, I mean, VPN addresses protect you up to a certain point, but it's not, it's not foolproof. It helps, I but see. it's not foolproof. So all these commercials I see about uh, NordVPN, uh, Something Express, um, 
it doesn't mean they're completely foolproof. Yeah. I mean, Nord, I forget what happened recently with Nord, but I, I, I mean, I use Nord, but now I'm actually going to stop using Nord. I forget the exact uh, article that came out, but it had to do with either selling data or doing something with their data. Really? And it's really, really shady. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to use that. Sounds shady to me. I mean, from what I saw in the commercials, it just, it seemed like it was such a reputable company. Oh yeah. I mean, it really was. But I forget, I mean, I have to do some research again to figure out what exactly why I remember that being. Pretty no, that's, 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 that, that's fine. I'm just, I'm trying to kind of work out in my head the, uh, the basic security that I should have. Do you think that's something basic I should have, VPN? If, I'm, if I start getting into Bitcoin, I go on the exchange, I make a wallet, anything I'm doing through the internet, should I purchase one of these services? Services could be, Proton. you know, just to be sure. Yeah, Proton I would. Say that again? Proton VPN? Oh, yeah. I mean, like yeah. what I was about to say was just Proton. make sure you do your research, like in-depth research on VPNs and make sure that the one you're getting is solid. So, All right. So basically go on the internet, look up some reviews on it, see how well it's doing, uh, well, how safe they are. And yeah, anyone can figure that out. It, it protects you up to a certain point because you can still kind of be traced with, even if you're using a VPN. I but, forget the exact um, structure of how the government fits in with the internet service providers with your VPN and all sort of stuff, but it's it's so, still so they say they say they 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 don't log your activity, but there's never any way of actually knowing that. So that's yeah. why they say have multiple VPNs. So yeah, one is multiple. Have like five or six of them. Yeah, but there's there's stuff that you can do to increase your privacy and, and that would be investing in privacy coins specifically that's, yeah, that's, like, like that, i'm example, sorry that's that's chain. kind of why i'm sorry not to cut you off go ahead yeah for like something like pirate chain which is the most anonymous cryptocurrency in the market literally pirate chain no yes data. i'm so can we touch on that <laughs> because i again like i said with the dabbling that i do I heard that Pirate Chain actually is a lot safer than Bitcoin. I, something about a 99.9% uh, uh, what do you call it, security uh, rating on it that it, it that, that is basically well, impenetrable up to that point. Is that true? Well, uh, well here's the thing. The, the 99.9% number comes from its anonymity set, right? So when that currency is mined, Right, meaning like it's validating transactions, all this other stuff, all everything that miners do, that the block reward that comes with it goes into a transparent address, and then after that is sent to Z addresses. A Z address is a private address that Pyrochain use, right? So uh-huh. from one point on, once it goes into the Z address, nothing can be seen, right? So say you have a huh. million pirate, a uh, million R, which is the t- stock, which is the ticker for pirate chain, right? Think of it like uh-huh. a stock. So if you have a million R in one of your addresses, nobody can see it. Nobody knows how much you have, what, what transactions really? you've made, who you sent it to, nothing, absolutely nothing. Whoa. So, only- so whatever little concern I had about Bitcoin before you kind of just wipe, wipe the floor with it now <laughs> with pirate coin. Um, What ends up happening is there's other privacy coins out there, but they're traceable. For example, when you look at Monero, you know, their their Anon set is 11. 
Meaning that the best thing you can really have privacy wise with Monero is plausible deniability, right? So uh-huh. it makes a bunch of different fake th- transactions along with your transaction and sends, and it's all stealth addresses and everything. But the problem is, is that they, it can be traced up to a certain point. Which, so it could still be found. Like you said, it's plausible deniability. Basically, it didn't happen between you and whoever or whatever's going on. But it's there, and it can be traced. Yes. Now, with Pirate Chain, none of that metadata is leaked. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So nobody can see how much you transferred to somebody else. Nobody can see your wallet addresses, nothing. And it's all done doing with this mathematical calculation that's called ZK snarks. Uh-huh. Which I've, uh, for the life of me, I can never remember the exact wording of the, uh, of the uh, acronym. But basically what it does is it uses zero knowledge proofs. You, it's basically a mathematical formula that I can say, I know that what you're, like if I'm if you're sending me say pirate chain right, mm-hmm. it essentially says without looking at the amount you're sending me, I can mathematically prove that what you're sending me is that amount. Wow, it's, no kidding. It's, yeah, it's 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 the strongest privacy in crypto, and That's... Zcash, which was the people, which was the uh, project that uses that type of technology. The reason why they're not the most private is because they allow transparent addresses, right? So think of it like Bitcoin, where you can see all these transactions happening, you can see your wallet amounts and everything. But unless you send something to somebody through the shielded address, which is the Z address, mm-hmm. I can see everything. But even so, even if you send a transaction from your address to a Z address, they can still see that somebody sent something to an unknown address. So that's I see. Still right? And and, and and this Zcash and Monero you're talking about, these are other crypto coins, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, they, that you're speaking they, are, of. they are two of the most well known and biggest privacy coins out I, there. I mean I've I've gone on websites and I've made purchases and I've seen the option to use Monero. That that much I do remember. So um most likely Zcash as well. It's just not, you know, coming to me right now. Um what I'm just what I'm just kind of wondering right now is to get any of those crypto coins or to get the security such as you would get with pirate, you would have to purchase it still with Bitcoin though, wouldn't you? Which is still safer than cash, but uh, so, so like what I'm wondering is if the Bitcoin can still somehow be traced, you need to, you know, you still need to start with Bitcoin. So how do we, you know, how do, how do we prevent that? How do we prevent that from happening? Or can Pirate Coin just be, you know, directly purchased? Uh, no, you can't. Through cash would be even worse. So there, I think you see where I'm going is, with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing is that, say, for example, like you can, there is a way to purchase Pirate Chain without using Bitcoin. And that's using a, an exchange on ramp. I think it's called Graviex. Uh-huh. And they allow uh, to, the purchasing of crypto of anything that they offer on the exchange. And um, uh, basically it's, it's a decent way to do it. It's similar to Coinbase, but it's not nearly as secure and uh, things like that, but it's one way to do it. Another way to do it is if you wanted to really do um, an OTC transaction, like basically what, uh, what you would do at that point is you would get a trusted third party to be basically the mediary, right? So 
if you and another person wanted to do a transaction and purchase Pirate Chain, then what you would do is basically that person sends, say, me, Pirate Chain, and then you would send that person money. Okay. And then from that point, once you receive, once that person receives the money, then I would release the pirate chain. So it's 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 like a peer-to-peer transaction, except there's a third-party mediator involved. Correct. But that that's also another problem. If say one person doesn't trust that third party, which yeah, that was going to be my next point, right? Yeah. So. Basically, at this point in time, it's actually kind of hard not to use Bitcoin to really buy any asset. You know what I mean? Because any asset right. can be traded in Bitcoin. You know, basically onboarding with pirate chains. So, yeah, any asset can be purchased with Bitcoin. So, if you have Bitcoin somehow, then you can purchase pirate chain. Now, also, well, that's a good what point, too, to actually. Earlier, what I forgot to mention Sorry. earlier was that there are Bitcoin ATMs, right? So you can go to an ATM. If you have a wallet address, say like the one I've heard on the about phone. these. Yeah. So you can go uh-huh. to a Bitcoin ATM, insert cash, and then input the wallet address that you want it sent to, and then it'll send you Bitcoin. Oh, okay. All right. There's another way. I didn't think about that. I mean, I, I, I feel like they're very rare and few between. Um, I haven't seen any at my local supermarket, for an example. Um, but I assume if I look online – It'll show me the locations to these ATMs? Yeah. Now, All right, well, that's sure easy enough. Like a legit website that says, you know, we're a legit ATM. Because, you know, there's always, like, keep in mind, no matter what you do online, there's always going to be scammers. So you always oh, got to yeah. be, you know, you always got to be extra careful with anything, Bitcoin or cash or anything in general. Right. You know what I mean? Like, even, hell, even Craigslist, you know, you got to make oh, sure yeah. that you meet in a public place. And take extra precautions just in case the guy that or the girl that you're meeting with is, you know, legit. I've, I've heard hard. I'm sorry. Uh, I've heard horror stories about Craigslist. I mean, I've heard stories about people going to purchase a vehicle, uh, you know, a, a used Toyota Corolla for like three thousand dollars. They show up with the cash on them and they, they end up getting jumped. Oh, there's, but, uh, there's there's things just as bad, and it's not and it's completely legal. To- I guess the fact of the matter is you just got to be safe with everything. And uh, I mean, I, I got to tell you, if I was dealing, especially with a larger quantity of money and dealing in anything, like you said, whether it was, you know, a, a website like Craigslist or, or banks and my money in transactions or Bitcoin, maybe it's just me, but I would always take more precaution. Um, I guess it's just good to see how to do that when it oh, comes yeah. to this. Yeah. Have you heard of uh I mean, is on the same topic, but have you heard of civil forfeiture? I I actually I have. I couldn't tell you exactly what that's about, but I I've had some friends mention that to me. Yes, it's base. It's essentially it's legalized robbery. So what happens is, say like this, the whole reason why I thought of this is because you brought up you know bringing cash to buy a car, right? Right. So say you're carrying around three grand, five grand, whatever to go buy a car from somebody on Craigslist or say you bought something on eBay or something, right? And you're going to meet the person to pay in cash. Mm-hmm. Say a cop pulls you over for, cause maybe you're going a little too fast or you didn't use your signal, whatever the case, right? Sometimes right. they'll ask you, do you have any large sums of money in the car? And yeah, you yeah. being an upstanding citizen and following every single rule say, yes, I do. Okay. Honestly, I would pull the wad out of my pocket and show them. Yeah. 
And then from that point, they can legally determine that you are going to use that money for illegal purposes and seize that money, right? What? Now, oh, yeah, 100%. So be shit, what, what happens at that point is not only do you have to go to court to fight for your money, but you are not on trial. Your money is. So you have My to money prove is. beyond a shadow of a doubt that your money was not intended for illegal purposes. And whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and to do because basically it's your money that's in, in basically in court, not you. So how do you even fight something like that? How do you be, if you're not on trial and your money is on trial, what what does it, do you have to go get a lawyer for your money? I mean, how does how does that work? Well, you can. I mean, generally, if you have like a couple of grand in your pocket, it's going to cost you more money to. Would, so it's not even worth it. Yeah, in, in most cases, so most, at least. most cases, people just say whatever. It's done. It's gone. That's so, that's that's like that doesn't make sense. That's that's a crazy bad loophole. I feel like in the system. I mean. And it's That's, 100% legal. And this and is happening. States, yeah, and in some states, your property or money is goes toward whatever, you know, police department that seized it, right? Some get to, see, some get to keep up to 100% of that value. So what ends really? up happening at that point, they use that for whatever they want. Literally, they can buy... You have to be kidding me. No, 100%. Wow, wow. Oh, my God. And this is, this is national? This is... It. Every state, or this is just yeah. in certain states that the, yeah. every, every state. state. It just the only difference between. I had no idea. Is how much they get to keep. Now think of Holy. this. Right? So what if I? What if you were going to buy a car, and then you have Bitcoin on your phone? What are they going to do? You don't have any cash on you. So they won't they even find it. Anything. Yeah, they they can they can't seize anything, right? So you. you know, I, I mean, I didn't know about this whole civil for, forfeiture thing, but knowing this now, it's. Uh, it's it's yeah it's a, it's it's another safe safety protocol that one should take. I feel like I I would feel much safer traveling across wherever I need to get, whether it's to buy a car, to go visit my aunt in Vermont, whatever the case may be. I would feel safer knowing I had that wallet on my phone, whatever, even in, in a little thumb drive hidden somewhere in my car, as opposed to having cash on me. If this is something that they've been doing, I mean, oh, it's yeah. just wow. I can I can That's... send you some videos and some articles on this stuff, and it, it this is just the beginning of the rabbit hole too. When it comes to civil forfeiture, it gets. Way I'd love worse. to hear about it. I, I mean, this is interesting. I, yeah, I'm going to look this up tonight. Incredible! Wow. Yeah, and they're so... using it for their own benefit. Crazy. Yep, exactly. So. Wow. Uh, going back to privacy, you know, like I said, Pirate Chain is the most private cryptocurrency in the market. Can't be traced. Nothing. So. The best thing about it is the fact that literally nobody knows anything about what you do with your own money, which is how it should be. It's literally like dealing in cash. Like if I were to say, right. give you a dollar, nobody knows about that transaction except for me and you. Absolutely. If, if there's nobody around, right? Nobody mm -hmm. can trade that. Nobody knows where you got that dollar from. And right. the, think of it this way too, with the way zero knowledge proves, proofs work. And comparing that to, say, Monero, think of it this way. Say I take a dollar, and say I'm using Monero. I take a dollar, and I have 11 cups on the table flipped upside down, right? I put okay. that dollar underneath the cup, mix it all around, and then give you all the cups. You know which cup it's under, but people looking would have to guess which cup was actually the real cup that had the money in it, right? Uh -huh. The way Pirate Chain works is – 
I have a dollar in my hand and you're standing somewhere else, right? That dollar mm-hmm. disappears from my hand and appears in yours. Nobody knows where it went. How, uh, That's a major difference because there's still a chance. It's kind of like playing the lottery or going to a casino. Somebody could still, you know, pick the right cup um, yeah. as opposed to that. I mean, That's a big difference. Let me go one step further. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not like having it in your hand. It's like having it in your pocket where nobody can see. Even and better. it appearing in your pocket, which nobody can see. So, I mean, pirate coin kind of sounds like the safe choice to me. And as far as everything else, like speed – on transactions, that's just as quick, I'm assuming, as, even you know, faster. as even faster. So think of it this way, right? Pirate Chain has one-minute block times, meaning that every single minute, a block of information, a.k.a. transactions, is added to the end of the blockchain. Bitcoin takes, what, 10 minutes to add a block. So for one confirmation for Bitcoin takes 10 minutes, may sometimes more, whereas Pirate chain takes one minute, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. Right, right. So, so it's, it's, it's instant. That's basically having an instant transaction. That's, that's call your buddy. Let's do this now. Boom. He's going to have it there instantly. Yep, exactly. So literally I sent, uh, I sent somebody some pirate chain actually yesterday and it took them, I think it was, it was, it, I think it was just over a minute. He's like, got it. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty quick. That's definitely quick. Oh yeah. Wow. I, it's, it's unbelievable how it's unbelievable how technology has changed. The way that yeah. banking, I feel, should be changing now too. I mean, I think I honestly think it's why people like me are starting to pay attention to things like this. This oh, this yeah. whole it's a whole new era. I, I I mean, when the internet came out, that was the big thing. The World Wide Web, AOL came out. I honestly feel like this is the next big thing because I don't care what I've heard in the radio and what I've seen. Bitcoin never went away. In fact, it's just expanded from that point on. And even better, alternated currencies, cryptocurrencies, such as Pirate, as you've explained, are coming out and and kind of beating it in, in, in different ways from what I'm understanding. Everything from security to speed to... you know, I, I, I don't, I, Is it possible for a coin to get so good that that coin ends up being the next standard? Like, can well, anything beat Bitcoin? Well, well here's the thing. In, I mean, there's a lot of debate among this. And in my personal view, I see Bitcoin, you know, going into more and more developments and things like that and being added to with different technologies and different, you know, mm-hmm. like different code to the point where it's better than what it is now. But in my right. personal opinion, it's going to be more of a store of value rather than an asset that is constantly traded or constantly used. You know what I mean? So, for example, right. if, you know, think of it like this, like, say you wanted to make sure that the money in your pocket right now stays at the same value or maybe goes up or whatever, you can buy some actual physical gold. If you were to hold yes. on to that physical gold, you know that that's going to hold its value, whereas your dollar is not, right? Right, so right. So see Bitcoin as more of a gold or digital gold or a store of value to where it helps give other things value. You know what I mean? Well, that makes sense. It's it's uh, it's like I, I hold on to all my gold, my my you know whether it's a uh, family heirloom or bracelets and, and jewelry because I know it holds value. I know it'll go up over time. 
uh, even if it goes down in the short term, but it'll always basically hold. I mean, the world's not building more gold. It's It'll just you know, decrease as time goes on and the value will go up. So it's a great example. Absolutely. And uh, let me uh, make two quick points, actually, because you mentioned security before, right? Remember how I right. said it's nearly impossible to reorganize the blocks and change the blockchain in Bitcoin, right? Yes. That's what's called a 51% attack. A 51% attack is when somebody overtakes the majority hash rate of that blockchain and then is able to reorganize the blocks and change the blocks to whatever they want, right? So uh-huh. that's, that's one of the things that is most cryptocurrencies today are prone to, right? Some people just say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's just overblown. No, it's not. Because realistically, most cryptocurrencies out there can be attacked with them and then like have their data changed. And then therefore their, their history of data or most of it is just useless at that point because it's not true, right? Now, right, right. The awesome thing about Pirate Chain is the fact that it actually prevents this by not using something called delayed proof of work, right? Now, I can, the easiest way for me to explain this is that, think of it like a checkpoint, right? So a checkpoint being like, for example, in a video game, right? You get to a checkpoint, it saves all your data previous to that checkpoint, right? Right, right. That checkpoint for Pirate Chain is notarized into the Komodo blockchain, which is an even bigger blockchain than Pirate Chain is, right? So it notarizes that data inside the there. And then from that point, Komodo notarizes its data into the Bitcoin blockchain, right? No kidding. So not only will you have to have to attack Pirate Chain, not only would you have to have 51% of the hash rate of Pirate Chain, you would have to have 51% of the hash rate of Komodo and 51% of the hash rate of Bitcoin just to change any blocks in pirate chain wow okay i could i could see why it's much more secure i mean that makes that makes it a whole lot harder to do i mean bitcoin was tough enough in itself but going through that process as well it's kind of like going through two other guys to get to bitcoin and that's a lot safer to me wow oh yeah 100 percent. i had no idea how technical how detailed this Yes. I mean, it's like layer and layer upon protection. And put it this way, I've been in crypto for several years and I'm still learning. Several years? I I would have said 20 years at least minimum by now. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's what you know. It's just incredible to me. There's concepts that are just way above my head. It's just so out there. And like, there's so many people in blockchain technology today that are coming up with so much awesome stuff. That is just mind-blowing, just thinking about and, how And there will be more because, I, I mean, Bitcoin came out. Uh, you know what? You would know I wouldn't. How long ago? About how long ago? Uh, over 10 years. Just over 10 years. Just that's still, that's 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 baby years. That's, that's not long enough for the generations to catch up. So as the next generation comes in and the one thereafter, they're just going to get more interested in this, learn more about this, and it will just keep going up and up from that point on and you know new discoveries new technology it's just it's really amazing it's just amazing 
And let me make one more point too that I actually meant to make before about privacy, sure. right? Now, mm -hmm. like I said, nobody can tell you what you're spent, what you're who you're transacting with, how much you have, all that other stuff, right? Now, the biggest advantage to that is, for example, say you were to buy something on eBay or Amazon, whatever, right? Who knows about mm -hmm. it? The site, your bank, the government, people who right. can look into that data. Like data analysts or you know other merchants that they sell that data to, everything. Sure. Right now, mm -hmm. and and say you want to buy something that's really personal. Say I don't know. Say you want to buy a freaking sex toy, whatever. Right. Everyone knows sexy that. panties or. <laughs> exactly. And all these people know about it. I mean, what mm. like you have zero privacy when it comes to your transactions. It's a good point. Whereas with pirate chain. Or privacy coins in, or most uh, some I would say some privacy coins because like I said some are traceable. With pirate right. chain, you can literally purchase something on the internet, like say from my store because I also own a, a coin shop, right? Like I own, I I make physical coins and like that. that oh great! Stuff. So if you were to buy something on my site, right, pay with mm -hmm. say pirate chain, and then put in your address is a PO box or, you know, or a friend's address that you want to pick it up at. You don't even have to give me your name. You just literally type in A for your first name, B for your last name, whatever. And then give right, some right. address that you're going to go and pick up that package at. That's not going to stop the that. transaction. All you need is that information exactly. as far as like an address to bring it to, whatever that name is that you choose to put on there. And you know, you're going to have your privacy. You can get what you want without anybody else knowing what's there. Yeah. So think of it that way. Think of it. Okay. So think of it from my perspective, right? You buy something on my store, right? I received mm -hmm. that transaction. I don't know how much you have. I don't know what transactions you've made before. All I see is that you of some wallet address made a transaction and put money in my wallet address. And then I right. see the information that you input on my site so that, you can have your product or whatever it is shipped to said address. And all I see for a name is Abacadabra, right? Uh -huh. That's all I know. Literally, that's the extent you, of You know, and, and as as it, not, not for nothing, but as it should be. I mean, oh, what's yeah. what's a big reason why people are gathering, or companies, I should say, are gathering your, your information these days, such as, you know, Google, Amazon, uh, wherever you're purchasing from, is because they simply want to know what you like to buy from, from what I know, at least, and from what I've learned. And they want to, they sort of want to market these things to you. They, they want to know if you're into, you know, ladies underwear or, 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 you know, buying cigars, whatever the case may be. So they find out everything about you by, through public knowledge. I mean, uh, what do they call that? You public file? I believe everybody has a public file on them. They, oh, yeah. they learn about that. They, you have to give out a lot of information when making purchases. Uh, as you said, I think it should be that way. It should be private. They don't need to know any of this. As long as you are conducting your business, I'm conducting my purchase from you, and everyone's happy. You know, as I, there's an old saying that goes, as long as everyone's happy in a business transaction, then it was a good transaction. So what oh, more yeah. is needed than that? Yeah, and the saying I always go by is financial privacy is financial freedom. The moment you that's, have that's, that's, that's agreeable. Mm -hmm. You can be yourself. You can do, buy what you want to buy. And Absolutely. not have to worry about anybody else judging you because it's completely private. Now, why do you think, I mean, 
you can go off the complete deep end with this stuff as far as, you know, trying to get as much privacy as possible. But again, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, it's reasonable to go to. Like, for example, with me, I stopped using Google Chrome. Why? Because they track all your data. And then all that data is sent to Google. I don't like that. That's messed up. Like with Facebook, for example, only thing I use Facebook for is memes and sharing baby pictures. That's it, because my parents love watching that uh, while love seeing all these pictures. Right. It, it has its benefits because, you you know, you get to do things like that, share your pictures with family, uh, speak to old friends maybe from your high school. But, yeah, uh, yeah I've heard a lot of bad things about these sites. Well, yeah, that's why you got to be careful with your data. You know, you got to be careful with whatever information you give out because that's willingly giving your personal information to whatever corporation to do whatever they please with. Basically, yeah, they have a terms of service or whatever, but literally nobody reads it unless you're a lawyer. Oh, nobody right. Yeah, that's that's what you're agreeing to when you sign up to these sites, right? I mean, yeah, look at, for example, iTunes, right? You use iTunes. Mm-hmm. Do you ever read the agreement for that? You could be selling. There's like 20 freaking pages. How could I read it all? <laughs> There's no way. Exactly. You could technically be selling all of your property and all of your assets to, to uh, freaking Apple. And Honestly, I, I could. I really could. I think I've, uh, yeah, I kind of thought about that at times when I would <laughs> when I would agree to these things. But I just kind of figured, oh, it's such a large company. You know, I, they can't be doing anything wrong or crazy here. But I wouldn't think to go. As far as what they are doing, which is collecting your information and, and storing it and using it in, against you, really, in many ways. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That, the same thing goes with phones, too. Like, you got to be careful with what information you put on your phone and all this other stuff, right? Because, I mean, like, I, like for example, you remember back when um, it was some terrorist that had a cell phone that, Apple was saying, well, no, we're not going to give you the code to crack it. And oh, blah, yes, blah, blah, yes. Blah. That was a big thing. Right. That was about yeah. three years ago. Mm-hmm. That, that was all a front, literally, because they had that phone cracked within 20 minutes. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, because all they did was clone the phone, like clone the operating system and all the data on the phone, and then uh-huh. just literally copy it to a bunch of different virtual private, or like uh, uh virtual desktops and then just run every single code that they need to and just basically hard for like force their wow. way in. So it took That's them insane. So what was it a marketing stunt? Like what was it to make Apple look like a safer company <laughs> to, to have uh, because the government can't even break into your phone. I mean, what the hell was behind that? Well, it, I, who knows? I realistically, I don't know why because they literally had that phone open. So it, like I said, Insane. everything that you see when it comes to, to privacy with companies like saying, oh, we value your privacy, it's all BS. It really is. So like I like I always say, you got to be careful with the type of information that you're willing to give. And like in this case specifically, your pri- like your financial privacy, the best way to go with doing transactions is using something like Pirate Chain. And the beauty of that too is the fact that Pirate Chain, which obviously I'm a captain of, um, we're building a point-of-sale system so that we can release it. In the first place we're going to be releasing it to, once we get all the approvals and all this foundation built and all this other stuff, is the Cayman Islands. And that'll be really? a perfect test ground because it's a completely 
it's a super, super small island that cares about privacy and all this other stuff, right? So if we can implement that down there and it works and everything is perfect and people start using it, then we can start implementing it other places. And what that means is you can literally fly down to the Caymans and then pay for anything you want using Pirate Chain. And the beauty of it is that say you're a merchant down there and somebody pays you in Pirate Chain. What ends up uh-huh. happening is you can either say on your on the app, you can either say, okay, yeah, I'll just accept the Pirate Chain and keep it. Or right. you can have it automatically converted to your native fiat. So you can literally have... So you still have the choice. Exactly. That's, wow. Wow, that's and great. So- the beauty of that too is that that protects the purchaser's privacy because you're paying with a currency that nobody can trace that nobody can see how much you have nothing the only thing that happens is on the other end once that gets processed because they don't have any of your data once that gets processed that goes through either directly to them or that goes through the regulatory institutions to convert that to their native fiat in their case cayman dollars and right. then gets them to their bank account so not only are they are they auditable on their end if they accept the fiat, but I mean that's on them to actually be honest with how much they're getting in if they just accept pirate chain. Of course. Right. So right. It has nothing to do with the person spending it. You're f- completely free and clear. No there's no trace on your history of making said transaction. And right. on their end, they just have to be either honest or they just show that, oh yeah, we converted everything to Cayman dollars. And that's it. All said and done. That's 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 incredible. I mean, there's just there's so much to it, and it kind of kind of seems like you covered every point on Pirate Chain. Which, by the way, uh, I heard you say that you are the captain of Pirate Coin. I am one of the captains. Yes, I'm basically the media li- media liaison, community manager, project manager, whatever you want to call. Wow, that's great. Only, that's great. Congratulations. You should be. I mean, yeah. you have a like I said, you're. Your knowledge on the topic and everything you've been explaining to me here really you're re- you're really suited for the position and and it sounds like you're gonna do just incredible things with that and man I'm excited I'm excited i'm gonna I'm definitely gonna look into all this um definitely gonna get Bitcoin and then get pirate coin and I have a lot of research to do here <laughs> a lot. Well, yeah. the the best thing I can really tell you is just learn just have like just even if it's like an hour, if you have an hour to spare a day, just think of a topic that you want to learn about with crypto in general, and then right. just research and just. Where, keep where doing would you that recommend video. that I, that I can do that? Like, is is YouTube a good site to go to 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 find a certain topic about this that I really want to you know strengthen my knowledge on, or or are there YouTube's better sites? Hidden. YouTube is really hit or miss. Sometimes people just don't explain things well. Sometimes. Um, people just are too in depth. Like they, like the level of knowledge you would need to understand it is too yes. much. For the very, very I, I feel like when I look something up on YouTube, I almost get so much information on the topic. I'm not sure as to what video to listen to first. So I'm not really grasping the basics of it. So, so what I would do personally is I found a really good resource is Investopedia. Investopedia. Um, they have they have a crypto section and it goes through everything. 
all, well, every, all, basically everything you would need to know as a beginner, even okay. if you're slightly advanced in knowledge with this stuff, it helps significantly. And they break it down to layman's terms. It's actually phenomenal. Which is perfect for somebody like me. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Oh, yeah. um, I could definitely, definitely use that. Actually, I just wrote it down. Excellent. And that's, that's the thing great. Too, is that I was like, I mean, put it this way. I was like you at one point, you know? I didn't know anything about this crap. Yeah, like I, I feel completely lost. And, and it's like I, I'm even trying to find ways to bring up uh, my questions here because it's like, you know, when you're doing something all your life, like dealing with the, the banking system and, and, and checks and, you know, income tax and all of that, yes, I had a lot to, a lot of questions to kind of relate to with that. But when it comes to this, it's, yeah, I feel like a baby, honestly. Oh, yeah. And, and also on my end, like, like I knew about privacy coins and kind of how they worked and things like that. But, and this was like, you know, after about a year being in there, I kind of understood like how Monero worked and how certain other ones worked. Right. But when I found Pirate Chain, this was about a month and a half after Pirate Chain started, like the blockchain was actually started. And okay. I was literally nobody. I was just like, wow, this is actually pretty cool stuff. And then I actually started talking to some of the developers like JL or Mr. Lynch and some right. of the community members. I was like, wow, this is yeah, a really you, you cool got involved. You, you were interested in it. Oh, yeah. And then after a while, I was like, you know, I have never spent an, a, a decent amount of time with any given project. I was always there for the profitability, right? Because I was a miner. Uh-huh. And I was like, let me actually dig into this because this is some really cool. So I started digging in and learning and learning. I was like, wow, this is something that I actually am starting to believe in because like this, they were teaching me not only about pirate chain, but just privacy in general and why it's important. So right, after just pretty that, much everything in general was grasping your yeah, attention and then. It's like a rabbit hole. It's it's you just oh, it keep is. digging deeper and deeper. Oh, it is. And then it's just I kept getting this obsession with learning, and I was like, "This is something I actually truly believe in now because I realize how important privacy really is." And then it for, is. And for doing all my due diligence on why Pirate Chain is different, why they're the best in crypto, I was like, "This right. is something I actually they feel like I belong to and want to learn about." <laughs> So that's that's when I started doing anything I possibly could with the project to just, you know, help them out. Like, for example, write an article or, you know, promote on Twitter or do this or do that. Just small things here and there. And right. eventually- it's kind of like paying your dues just to just to, to get in there and have the, abil- the ability to get involved with the project and yeah, learn more about it. It's, it's, it's like starting a job you may have a passion for. You may start, you know, all the way down low as a a dishwasher at a fancy restaurant, but the more you get involved, the more you're going to learn. The more you learn, the more you're going to enjoy it, the more you can use it. Absolutely. And then after a while, you know, some of the higher ups like, wow, you're actually doing quite a bit of cool stuff and helping us, helping us out. So I got promoted from there. So I was like, all right, cool. And then after a while, we're like, we had some community chats and one of the things they were like, yeah, what's one way we can promote pirate chain? I was like, dude, why don't you make like a physical commemorative coin? Because I see a lot of those that Bitcoin has and certain other projects. And they're like, right. yeah, why don't you why don't you take the lead up on that and see what you can do? So I was like, wow. So that's when I started. Yeah, you got your first responsibility. That's yeah. You start building even more passion for it. That's 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 yeah. excellent. 
And then from that point, I was like, hmm, maybe I can make this a business too. So I actually created my own business doing making physical commemorative coins, which I have, you know, over, what was it, a dozen and a half created for a dozen, basically a dozen and a half different projects. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm pretty well known among several different projects here and there now. So like my, my, uh, my name's actually been getting out there, which is pretty cool. Jared, if and you don't then, mind me asking, how many years have you, has it taken you so far to, to build all of these projects and be involved in them? Um, well, for my coin business, I've been in business since March of this year. Oh, okay. So that, that one's fairly new. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, Pirate Chain started in August uh, 29th of last year. I got into it in October, late October. Oh, okay. I, I had no idea. I thought this was an ongoing project for a little while now. So it's oh, actually, no, no. so Pirate Coin's pretty new in itself then. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're, it's a very, very young project. And then after, you know, like, uh, one of the guys had, uh, that was a captain had to leave because he had, you know, family issues and things like that, that was happening and he couldn't really focus enough time. Right. You right. Know, That's unfortunate. You know, people, like, people like me, Lutz and several others like house and, uh, you know, uh, Phoenix and several other people from pirate chain got together. We're like, we need to do everything we can to fill the gap since he's gone. So that's when right. we started coming up with our own ideas coming up with ways to help push pirate out into the open and get more people more attention on it. And then from that point, we all got promoted. And then I got promoted to captain because I was doing, it was basically my second job at that point. And it was the second job that I truly loved doing because I truly believe in the project, you know? So it's like with all the work, it's not even like, it's a, it's not even a job for me. It's like me having fun. And I've experienced so many different things from it. Like, for example, talking to exchanges located in different countries like, you know, Europe or uh, like uh, continents like Europe or Asia or, you know, everywhere across the world. I've, t- I've spoken to the people of, from any nation, you know, like pretty it's much. incredible. So you're expanding your horizons. You're, going, you're, you're basically going international in a sense. It's, you know, it's, it's like that old saying, uh, when you truly love what you're doing, it's, it's no longer a job. It's, it's just how you pass your time and oh, you get yeah. better at it and, and you come up with better ideas and what, what better people to have on a project? Honestly, it's, if I could build my dream team, if I was to build a company one day, it would be people that are dedicated and passionate and want to be there to do the job because those are the people that you could always rely on because they simply just want to be there as much as you do. They want oh, that yeah. project to succeed. Oh, yeah. And then you can literally say this about any project in crypto that you get involved with, too. Like, it's just if you find something like find a project that you truly love and want to be a part of, you can be a part of it, you know. And then, like, in most cases, people recognize that and then you'll, like, get more responsibilities and then you'll take on more stuff if you want to. And then you can just see the whole world in front of you. It's crazy because I never thought for a single moment that I'd be speaking to uh, to a, uh, an exchange over in China about listing and, you know, having negotiations with them. And, then, right. and not even that, being sent to the Cayman Islands, me, Lutz, and three other people being sent over to the Cayman Islands to promote Pirate Chain. That looked like an incredible trip. I, I saw, I saw the, uh, the video on that. You guys look like you really 
did a great job over there. Pretty much dominated the uh, the uh, event that they were having there. And you were all so happy. You were all having fun at the same time. Oh, yeah. I saw and, nothing but smiles, pirate suits. I mean, it was incredible. Really incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean I've known Lutz now since pretty much maybe a month after I joined Pirate Chain. And, you know, after it, it's like a whole trip where we just all of us bonded together because we're all in, in it for the same reason. You and know what? As, we, as you should. You guys are always working together. You should have your fun together, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just like it's like meeting your coworkers for the first time. It's freaking awesome. You know? <laughs> That's great. We all went down there. It was sponsored by Pirate Chain, and all the community got together and paid for pretty much everything that we needed, except for like food, for example. So we just paid, like you know, we pitched in for food and whatever. But everything else, you know, was paid for. We met, you know, VIPs. We met free, like I can't really say who those VIPs are. In certain cases, we met. Well, yeah, it's it's a, you're 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 building uh, bridges. It's it's still even so meeting great people and you're putting the name out there and you're having a great time doing it. I mean, yeah. uh, what what better job to have than that? Honestly, it's, well, yeah, it's you know beats being stuck at some warehouse and not wanting to be there. I can tell you that much. Yeah, and watching Lutz approach people and just start talking to them and breaking the ice is possibly one of the biggest <laughs> things I've ever seen. It is he's, absolutely. Yeah, he's got an addictive personality. He just, yeah, he's, he's the type of person, once he smiles and cracks a joke, you know the other person is going to get sucked in and start cracking jokes too. It's just, it's just one of those incredible personalities. And it's a really great person. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And then we had another guy, Wolf, that we brought last minute because he was, he just seemed like that type of person that was truly interested in pirate, even though he's part of another project. And he was mm-hmm. the type of person that was just, that can explain anything. So we brought him along and it was like Lutz and Wolf were like the one-two punch because literally Lutz would go up to somebody, start talking to them and Wolf would join in and then explain things in such a level, on such a low level. <laughs> that literally That's great. Understand it. And then automatically they were interested. I mean, hell. Yeah, it's like I mean, you have the icebreaker and then you have the guy to finalize. It's, uh, I, I used to play that game with a friend of mine, except we did it to girls, so. <laughs> <laughs> we were pretty successful i have to say <laughs> so it does work i i, I could follow that business model <laughs> it was fantastic so but i mean putting all that aside and going back to what we were kind of discussing before it's just financial privacy is one of the most important things a person can have aside from just personal privacy agreed you know mm-hmm. so by Adding that privacy to your life, it is just, it's freeing because you could do almost anything you want with your money and nobody can say shit about it, you know? Financial freedom. I mean, I don't think there's any one true person that has experienced entire financial freedom that hasn't at least dwelled into something like this. I'm sorry? Unless Unless you're rich and can set up shell companies and all this other crap. Correct. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Average, exactly. But that's not most of the population. Yeah, average Joes like us can't afford that luxury. Well, not yet. Not yet. Well, <laughs> we're but, getting there because I, you know what? I agree. The, the potential is huge here. And it just kind of, I, I would like to say that, well, I wouldn't like to say, but usually everything kind of has this boundary or this, this point where it could reach that, that, it will be successful, but it can only go so far. It's sort of like hitting a threshold. 
but I don't see that anywhere in sight with this. I, I, I it's just boundless opportunities. It could, you could do so much with this. Oh, uh, yeah. And I don't even know the half of it. I'm, I'm sure you understand <laughs> what I'm saying here much better uh, from your experience, but I, I just feel like anything could be possible in the future with this. Oh yeah. And the, and the greatest thing ever too, is that you can literally go into a pirate chain telegram or discord or wherever we are and just start asking questions and people will just answer them. I mean, it could be like, Hey, I'm completely new to crypto. I have questions. You know, and that's something I've done recently. Go ahead. I, I've done that recently. I've signed up to uh, discord and I started off by watching, you know, what people were saying and just kind of getting an idea for what was going on. But I have to admit, you, you got the right idea. I should start asking questions, too, because unless I do, I'm just really not going to understand what's being spoken of, you know, within it. But there's just a wealth of knowledge there as well. I, I mean, about everything going on. Oh, yeah. And also to show that, you know, we actually truly care about privacy. We have a privacy learning channel to where. We link articles and all these all these different media sources to show how important it is and learn about it and why it's important and all this other fun stuff. It's just it's a great learning resource. And like I said, I mean, you're on Discord, so you can literally talk to me, Lutz, or any of the developers or anybody in the community and just ask questions. And even if you're a little shy about like asking like something that you may think is a dumb question. Like I said, exactly. That's have, that's exactly what's going on. Right. You still have people like me, Lutz, and even the developers and hell, JL, who is the lead developer of Komodo and the core developer of Pirate. He is the, one of the most brilliant people I've ever spoken to. And can wow. if you were to just even ask him something you think is a stupid question and just be like, hey, I, I'm completely new to crypto. Can you explain this concept to me? He will break it down in such a way that you will easily learn what that concept is and he will enjoy doing it. And that's the greatest thing ever. Because even recently, I didn't completely understand what something was. And I asked him a question mm -hmm. and he went into full detail in such a way that I was like, oh, wow, that's that makes complete sense. He just and goes like he went above and beyond. Yeah, and this is me who's been in crypto for several years now. I mean, granted, that's not as much as a lot of other people, but I mean, I know, me. I know for the most part what I'm talking about, but I mean, there's still concepts that I just don't understand. And by talking to him about certain concepts, it's just like it break, he breaks it down to the point where anybody can learn. And that's the greatest you know, you, thing. You make, a, you make a great point. When somebody's interested in learning and they've, they've really taken to a project, I can't see why somebody wouldn't answer your question. I, being an electrician myself, having a new coworker, I, 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 I kind of can take an appreciation in the fact that he came up and asked me a question because it shows me he wants to learn. So as long as he's willing to want to learn, I'm willing to spend all the time that person possibly needs to help him and give him the best answer I can to the best of my knowledge. So that makes a lot of sense. And it makes me feel a lot easier about going on Discord and asking questions. Yeah, and think of it this way too, man, is that, you know, I, like I said, I was in your position at one point, and then I just started asking questions. And if it wasn't for the community, the vast majority of the community willingly just answer my questions, making sure I have all the information I'm looking for and things like that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like having your own little brother to go in yeah. there. You all have the same interests. So people, people are willing to help 
people want to learn. It's, it's, it's a great community to be involved in. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I absolutely love just about everybody in the community. I mean, there's always going to be, like, the redheaded stepchild that's out there. That, you know, <laughs> that's just yeah, like you know, that, there always is. But, you know, for the most part, I have to say, from uh, from what I've seen and then everyone I've spoken to, you uh, today, uh, Boots, uh, I've spoken to House. I have to admit, I've gotten along incredibly with everyone. Um, I, I've gone from having one night, a one-night conversation with people to calling them brother the next day. Um, I could just see that all of your hearts are just so into this that there's there's almost no room for anything else other than, you know, uh, being involved with each other and having that passion there and, and just truly, truly being good to each other in that, in that way, helping each other learn. There's always going to be that person that knows more than the next and – and as long as that person's willing to teach and, and be involved as well, it all works out. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm mumbling my words right now because I've been up since like <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> I apologize. Um, uh, I'm sorry. So down, guys. You, should, you guys should, should start cutting it off because you're over like two Yeah. Hours yeah. I, I'm literally like I'm burning <laughs> the candle at both ends right now. As much fun as I'm having really. Uh, I'm what do you call it? Dread. I'm not having to talk. I mean, this is the best show I ever did. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for you, you to jump in at it, you know, a few times, but time. <laughs> I love to, I love to, and uh, Dredd, I just want to say thank you, thank you for talking to me tonight, uh, making me aware of so many, so much that I did not know. Um, I really appreciate all the time that you put in and detail that you put into explaining everything to me. I really do. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Anytime, man, and honestly, thank you because. I've forgotten how much I enjoy just having a conversation, not just about, you know, cryptocurrency, but about privacy in general with someone that's actually wanting to really learn about. I, I truly, truly do enjoy it. And I haven't done it in a long time. And this is just absolutely fun. <laughs> I really enjoy it. You know, that's, that's, that's really nice of you to say. And, and, and I, I, I definitely felt that love and picked up on it because just the wealth of knowledge, like I've said so many times today, I, I'm literally going to have to like sit back tonight and sift through all of this in my head just to try, you know, try to grasp everything, all the knowledge that you've taught me today. Um, I wrote some things down as we're speaking too. So ah, we'll start working on that later on, but thank you so much. I appreciate everything. And this oh, one no, was a great, great talk. Oh yeah. And the beauty of it too, is that this is all recorded too. So you can go back and actually re-listen to everything just to make sure you grasp everything. Great point. Great point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Lutz, you're going to have to hook me up with that, buddy. Yeah, and, and if you got anybody else, you know, that wants the same lessons, you know, on air and just wants to come ask questions, that's totally cool. Just bring them on and we'll do yeah. another show with them. You know what? I I may bring on some friends that are skeptical. Skeptical. Oh, geez, still mumbling my words. It's been a long night. Um, but I got friends that basically don't believe in this 100% enough get involved it's a big reason why i'm learning for myself too this way when i explain it to them i want to be able to give them the right details and make them understand what i do but if i could get them on the show and get them involved you're damn right i will absolutely all right so it sounds like they're coming on the show sounds good <laughs> no whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on one of them one of them is coming back from california next week we'll see all right 
I'm not sure what I'm hearing from you, but it sounds good. You know, just get all right. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, great night. Get some rest. I'm, I certainly am. And this was fun. Thanks. Yeah, definitely, man. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank all you. Right. Thank you for coming on, Uncle Charlie. Nice job. You're more than welcome, Woods. Thank you. Appreciate sure it. You're this has been Crypto Core Radio. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends so they can be among the first to learn about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency advancement in, in the, the new, new digital, digital economy. economy.